Hello friends, thanks for tuning in. I am not 100% right now. Um, It's just been a really rough couple of months, a rough couple of weeks. Both Ben and I have had a couple of interesting health issues. Um, By the time you're hearing this, um, well, at the time I'm recording this, we're, we're both doing much better, but... Hopefully by the time you're hearing this, I'll be out of the woods, but I don't feel out of the woods yet. So, um, this podcast is going to be a little bit more casual. Um, I am, if I tangent, I'm really not going to make an effort to stop and curb myself. So, just be, be forewarned. I, I'm, I'm going to talk about the things. So... Um, the topic that is currently forefront on my, of my mind is, um, what do you do when someone rejects you? And number one, rejection is, um, according to, um, Paul Hegstrom, who's a psychiatrist, a Christian psychiatrist, um, psychologist, one of those. I apologize, Dr. Hegstrom. Um, According to Paul Hegstrom, rejection is actually more painful than abuse. Because because in abuse, you actually are useful to that person for something, so you're able to derive some sense of value by being abused. Which is horrible and dysfunctional, but that's the way that the human psyche works. And the unfortunate thing about rejection is that the person's basically saying, you are not worth anything. You are of no value. And um, God is bringing a lot of deep emotions to the surface that... Um, um, I've dealt with this in other ways over the years, but, um, he's bringing up a deeper layer and it is both excruciating. (laughs) Um, it's just as painful as when I was, you know, single and alone and 17 and, you know, lots of single alone phases in between 17 and now. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty depressed right now. My thought life is, um, really struggling. Um, so rejection is actually more painful than abuse. And that's, that's why it hurts so freaking bad. Um, and the thing that I've noticed about myself is that it makes me even more desperate in a, a fanatical, illogical kind of way to somehow extract approval from that person. Um, and... Because this is not 
the first time I've dealt with this concept, I I have the the awkward privilege of knowing that, you know, that's not going to work. Trying to extract approval from someone who is rejecting you is is a dead end. It's it's not worth the time or the effort. And so um emotionally I am waiting on God to reveal to me a deeper layer of his acceptance for me and specifically his acceptance for my personality because I have a very unique different personality and you know that comes with risks it comes with the risk of telling a joke that people think is weird or um I was homeschooled and so occasionally I'll say things that make the entire room go silent and I had no idea the connotations were were even existent and it in that particular situation it wasn't until I mentioned that entire scenario to a friend and she told me what I said and the meaning behind the exact term that I used in slang culture and so um I'm I'm going to give you a really fun story and this is probably going to gross you out so you know what this podcast came with caveats so I don't know what to tell you um the other day we were playing um Dungeons and Dragons with our church guy friends Ben and I and um the game master said hey my girlfriend is thinking about listening in and I know you're all cool but she's kind of socially awkward and she wants to know that you are cool with her tuning in and I said Jacob let me tell you something I didn't say anything I literally just picked up my foot and I put my toe in my mouth. I literally, physically put my toe in my mouth. And Jacob, God bless him, this is why he is my friend, along with this group of guys, because they're, they're my bros. Um, he very eloquently explained to his girlfriend that I just put my toe in physically in my mouth to symbolize that there is nothing that she could do casually that would be weirder than things that we do intentionally. So our acceptance level is very high. This is why I love my bros. Like, um, yeah, like that, that little group of people, it's, it's sacred to me. Like, I don't want anyone joining us. Like, these are my people. This, there's a podcast I did a number of months ago about um, friendship and, you know, what would friendship look like if you had intimacy within a, a group of four people or three people and you go deep and you have that level of longevity over years, um, you know, that's a deep trust factor. And for me right now in real life, um, that's my Dungeons and Dragons brothers. So, like, I, I guard that with a flaming hammer of light and a couple of daggers. 
<laughs> um, I'm a rogue, by the way, and a shadow elf, and I've got night vision, and my name is Cleo of the Firelight, and uh, my character's, um, yeah, I'm tangenting. I'll, I will keep it short. My character is kind of the opposite of my personality, where I'm extremely socially awkward, and also my skin is kind of gray, so I really stand out, and I kind of fell in from another dimension. But there's another elf in the group, her name is Vidanya, played by my Christian bro, because he's, he's crazy like that. Um, and she is like this charismatic, do-anything person, and she plays the bagpipes of true invisibility, so... There's just, like, this misdirection of it, of bagpipe sound, but, like, everyone that's within a certain radius becomes invisible, and, um, that character is constantly doing crazy things, and, uh, uh, oh, man. Like, we're a wacky bunch, but he's in competition for, like, really wacky in the bunch, um, so, so that character and my character kind of team up, because we got similar skills in some areas and opposite skills in others, so we were cave exploring and teamwork i don't know why i opened that tangent but oh clear of the firelight is my character name and so i'm a shadow elf and a rogue but i really um like interacting with people slowly but surely and um um i'm i i'm kind of afraid of the sunlight because of the dimension where i came from it was all dark all the time so that's why i've got ashy skin but the firelight does not affect me, so I'm able to take off my hood and, and be my true, authentic self. So my name is Cleo of the Firelight. Did I say Chloe? Cleo. Yeah, I'm constantly confusing them, but either way. Um, I'm Chloe of the Firelight. Cleo. Oh my gosh. Hey, I told you I was really whack today. So that's my D&D character. Really important tangent on that. Um... So, my Christian D&D brothers accept Ben and us, Ben and I, and I just, <clears throat> I feel that so deeply. It, like, like, what kind of person sticks their toe in their mouth to make a point? I, I, I don't know, man, but see, here's the thing. When I read the Old Testament and I look at the, the stories of Ezekiel, God was really dramatic with him. He said, you know, don't mourn for your dead wife and um, cook your bread on top of, you know, burn human poop to cook your bread. That is in the book of Ezekiel. It's like at the very beginning. And Ezekiel says, hey, um, could I not use human poop because that's kind of not kosher and I've always kept the law? And God says, well, okay, you can use cow poop. <laughs> That's in the Bible, folks. Like, are you kidding me? This is one of the prophets. So, God is the kind of person where Jesus himself said, you know, to truly be my disciple, you have to eat my body and drink my blood. So, Jesus himself, and along with God's, God's word through the prophets, God is not by any means afraid to make a dramatic, even repulsive uh, metaphor for the sake of getting his point across. <sighs> Folks, 
I don't normally talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but I have the prophet gifting. I have the teaching gifting. I speak. I pray tongues when it's time to go to war. Um, I clap. I yell. Sometimes I fast. I'm quiet. Depending on the time and the place. Is Ecclesiastes, there's a time and place to embrace. There's a time and place to refrain from embracing. And all of these things. To make war. To make peace. To tear and to mend. I... I am a dramatic personality, and it is, sometimes it's really hard for me to accept myself and the process of sanctification, because I've got a lot of socially awkward stories. I mean, you, I, I, I will tell some at some point, but I don't plan to this podcast, because I just don't feel emotionally up for that. But one of the reasons I love Jennifer Lawrence as a person is because she is constantly sharing relatable, self-deprecating life experiences. And it's just this sigh of relief of, oh my gosh, I'm not the only crazy person out there who's done ridiculous, embarrassing things. I feel so comforted that I'm not alone in my embarrassing humanness. (sighs) One of the reasons I practice vulnerability in this podcast, and I try to share as much as I can about my life and what I'm learning and all the things, is because I want to provide a similar level of encouragement and comfort of I'm struggling with this, and I'm struggling with this, and I'm learning that recovery is simply, you know, How fast do you run away from sin? How fast do you run away from the spiral of self-hatred that leads to self-harm and suicidal thoughts and all of these other things? So, um, you know, purity is not defined by whether or not you feel tempted to masturbate. That's not the definition of purity. The definition of purity is how quickly do you redirect your thoughts towards Christ and his goodness being enough for you. I have been talking to some of my girlfriends. Um, This is a very important tangent and I'm going to make it its own official podcast because we need to talk about sex, y'all. I have been talking with my girlfriends, most of them single, and dude, our sexuality, our understanding of sex is so freaking broken. And people are struggling with the same issues and they're standing next to each other, but nobody... Uh, we, are, we are all so overwhelmed with shame that we are barely able to verbalize our struggle to anyone when... Oh, man. The issue of pornography and masturbation and same-sex attraction is, like, I can think of a whole handful off the top of my head. And those are the people who've been brave enough to tell me. Like, like, we need to start talking about this. Because if we're not talking about it, 
then we can't expose it to the light and we can't become accountable for things and we won't have prayer back up in fighting for purity and righteousness and I want to be a holy people as Christ is holy. I want to reflect my Savior and if if we're not you know, he, the, the scripture says, confess your sins one to another. And if we're not doing that, we are so much weaker in our fight against the enemy because uh, because shame is the mold of the soul. What do I mean by that? What I mean is that mold grows in dark, damp places that are hidden from the sunlight. Sin and shame. Shame thrives in dark, damp, sinful places where there isn't exposure to other people. And so the sin is hidden and it's just, it's incredibly isolating and... Y'all, we need to talk about our sin. Like, this sucks. Like, I just want to send to everyone the podcast I did a week or so ago about moving mountains. Like, God wants to move the mountains inside our hearts and our souls. Like, he, he doesn't care about our circumstances nearly as much as he cares about the lies that are impeding our trust of him. Can I get an amen? My my southern adopted drawl is trying to come out. Can I get an amen? Oh. So yeah, I care a lot about that tangent right there. And you better believe you're going to be hearing about it again. So, Because when I get on a topic, I kind of beat the soapbox until... I don't even know where that metaphor was going, so I'm just going to move on. So, this podcast is about rejection. And funnily enough, last tangent about shame, you know, if we're not being um, honest about who we are, then we won't give people a chance to reject us. But the only problem is that we don't know that they truly accept us. We can never know that unless we reveal our true selves to them. And the goal of the church, and by the church I mean the body of believers, and by the body of believers I mean small intimate gatherings of, you know, four or five people. That is the ideal safe haven for us to, much like my character in D&D, take our hood off and reveal our true selves at these safe little deep trust areas. And sometimes the church gets this right, and sometimes the church get this, gets this very wrong. And, and I want to talk about the times when the church gets it wrong. Um... I'm going to talk about both, but I'm going to start with when the church gets it wrong. So when the church gets it wrong, um, 
I have, I have on occasion verbalized, you know, kind of a, 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 a statement of fact about my childhood. And I've had people who seemed, you know, nice enough and well-meaning look at me and say, oh, well, you must have had a dysfunctional childhood. And in that turn of phrase in that moment, I have felt them lump me into this category of broken people who there's no hope for and I'm not going to associate with because I'm not broken. Like, dude. Dude. If you are arrogant enough to think that you are not broken and you have no need of God in order to show love to people, you just don't know how. And you haven't lived enough. And and to put it really bluntly, you haven't sinned enough to take your selfishness seriously. So unfortunately, you know, when somebody opens up about these delicate issues of masturbation, same-sex attraction, pornography addiction, um, you know, all of which can be independent or cocktail, um, and, you know, varying degrees of severity, obviously, um, and don't get me wrong, like, God has very appropriate consequences for the weight of each sin, and he knows how how to dispense that and it's part of the function it's part of the law of society that there are consequences for all of our sin um but when we discuss some of these things that seem to have a heavier weight to them there is often that response of oh you're a broken person and there's no hope for you And I am no longer going to associate with you because I want to keep myself and my children pure. It's like, oh, that is a lie from the enemy as old as time. Because the Lord hates haughty eyes. And it's only been in recent years that I've realized the travesty that is the more socially acceptable sin of jealousy. Like, jealousy makes me want to vomit. And the... the <laughs> jealousy can single-handedly destroy friendships. If one person in the friendship has jealousy and they don't deal with it, dead, gone, friendship done, period, no more. It sucks. And, and, and 
we, myself included, have often allowed our jealousy to build walls between ourselves and believers whom we need to be encouraging and supporting as the brick next to us in the body of Christ in his in building and representing his temple. And we need to be you know, maybe not they're our, maybe they're not our bestest friend, but we need to be excuse me, we need to be open enough with each other that there's no false pretense of of righteousness. I mean, the people that I respect the most who follow Christ know how desperately they need Jesus every single day for all of his strength. It's heavy, y'all. Fortunately, there are occasions where the church gets it right. And this is when... This is when someone is brave enough to confess, I'm struggling with XYZ. And... The person who's listening, maybe they don't understand what it means to struggle with X, Y, Z. But there's two things that I would say are pretty consistent in that listener, which is whether or not there is understanding, there is a compassion for the desire of the other person to follow Christ and to not struggle with the sin. And the second thing is that there is a humility of understanding that that says I am absolutely capable of sinning in equal, if not deeper ways. And I have no judgment for you and your sin because I know my own desires of my heart and I know my own wretched sin nature and I know my own tendency to towards evil (sighs) we need both of those we need both compassion and humility and if we don't have that we have indifference and pride and if you've been on the receiving end of indifference and pride Let me say, I am so sorry. I am so sorry that your vulnerability was met with insensitivity and ignorance and excruciating arrogance. I am praying for you that you would be brave enough to try again one more time. Pray and ask God to show you who
who to talk to. It's hard to find trustworthy people. It is. And even well-meaning people can ask questions in ways that just misunderstand the premise. Oftentimes people can ask questions where the, the premise of their question misunderstands our struggle. And that is similarly painful to um, arrogance and insensitivity. It is not the same. It just takes a it just takes a um, an emotional stability to be able to recognize um, what the person is asking or what they're trying to ask and figure out a way to explain your hurt or struggle in a way that um, can be understood by them. (sighs) Guys, I'm going to be totally honest with you. Right now, this evening, before I recorded this podcast, I was struggling with murder in my head. Just full-on arson stabbing murder i and see on the outside i don't look like that kind of person hopefully but i'm here to tell you i wanted to kill people tonight kill them that was my sin nature and the holy spirit within me was very clear about communicating you know that that person you can squeeze them as hard as you want and it's going to be like a a small rodent trapped in a corner who gets mean and vicious but you can squeeze them as hard as you want there's not going to be any approval for you in the current state of their heart so don't waste your effort so Tonight, I am struggling with, I really want to kill someone. God, I am trusting you to heal me. I am determined to maintain the right attitude of faith and humility that you will heal my emotional brokenness. You will heal. You will heal my spirit. You will remove the lies that are the ultimate source of this hurt And you will replace them with your truth. And I'm going to maintain my attitude of faith so that I sit in this waiting room in your hospital until you call me for surgery and you take all of it out because I am am so ready. And yeah, see, here's the temptation. There are two kinds of people in this world. Broken people who trust Jesus with their brokenness and broken people who don't. Period. And within the second category, you've got broken people who know they're broken and you've got broken people who don't know they're broken, which is 
just considering the situations and individuals I have described previously, I am abhorrent of that category of broken people who don't know they're broken. It's just like, gag me. Just, I want to vomit. And the scripture passage that comes to mind, I've spoken of previously on this podcast, and I'm forgetting the exact chapter, I apologize, but it is the passage in Luke where Jesus is at the Pharisee's house and the sinful woman breaks in somehow, anoints his feet with expensive perfume, <laughs> washes her feet with her with her tears, dries them with her hair. By the way, cultural context, women's hair was supposed to be covered. So, because, um, and basically, this is just a, a, a fact of um, human psychology. Whatever aspect of a woman's body is traditionally covered, um, that part becomes very stimulating to the men's eyes. So, for example, um, in Africa, depending on your location and culture, obviously, um, but in Africa, women do not show their knees or anything above their knees, their thighs. So if you wear shorts above the knee, you are causing those men to stumble cultural because of because of that cultural context and out of love for your fellow man, you need to wear something that's below the knee or even mid-calf. So where was I going with that? So women's hair in um in um in Jesus's day was similar where having your entire head exposed and Paul talks about this in the epistles where he says you know women without head coverings you know that's that's not a good thing here and culturally the only women who walked around with their hair exposed were prostitutes so, to go to church with all of your hair showing, and it was a very practical reason, too, because women had a lot of work to do. So, their hair was covered practically to keep it clean. Like, that's how culture works. You've got a physical scenario, and then you modify your dress for it, and then exposure of something that's not normally exposed is a stumbling block for male eyes. That's how culture works. This is anthropology, people, at a very basic level. Sociology, pick one. I don't know. Synonyms, in my mind. I apologize to the actual research people out there. So, you know those those Instagram videos of the the full blowout and her hair goes like all the way down her back and it's majestic and wavy and the color is just glowing with rainbows and it's just like oh my gosh those locks it's incredible um like having your hair exposed like that was equivalent of like being completely naked walking around in a bikini a thong like our culture is continually getting closer to that, but 
I'm going to speak for myself, that's not acceptable public garment. A bikini is not something that I'm going to wear frequently in a public setting because that's for Ben's eyes only. And a that that's that's the way it really should work. So So this prostitute is washing Jesus' feet with her hair and then he anoints his feet with oil, expensive oil, perfume, and the Pharisee is judging her. And Jesus says, Simon, if somebody had a $50 debt canceled and someone had a $5,000 debt canceled, who would be more appreciative? So, people who don't know they're broken are like Simon the Pharisee. He didn't know he was arrogant. He, he may have recognized he was judging her, but he certainly didn't realize that um, the attitude of his heart was more reprehensible to Jesus than hers. And to back that up scripturally, there is the parable of the tax collector who didn't even look towards heaven and he was sobbing saying, God have mercy on me. And next to him, there was a Pharisee who said, thank you, Lord, that I am a Pharisee and I'm not like that tax collector over there. Yeah, the tax collector went home right with God. The Pharisee was just singing his praises to himself and making himself feel good. In my line of reasoning, making yourself feel good because of your own behavior is emotional masturbation. I say that as one who has done it. way more frequently than I care to discuss at this time. But as one who has done it, I can tell you it is disgusting and reprehensible to find your self-worth in your actions. To I have, I have two working definitions of emotional masturbation, and this one is about using your own works to validate yourself, and the other one is, the one that I normally think of is um, having a hope for a future relationship that will be romantic and Disney-like and idyllic, and there will never be any conflict, and he'll never disagree with me, and we'll have a perfect house, and everything will be perfect, and we'll never struggle with money, and for better or for better, in health and in health. And, and that's, that's idolatry. That's idolatry of a scenario that does not exist on this earth, and the only place it does exist is in heaven, 
And baby, I can't wait to get there. It's coming. It is coming. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Um, oh, free me from this body of death. So, with all of that said, are you going to trust Jesus with your brokenness or not? Are you going to trust him with validating you? As opposed to trying to find that from your surroundings, your family, social media, how many likes did your last post get? I, 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 I know the game. I've played it myself. Yeah. Because that validation never lasts. And, um, I, I need Christ to remind me that Jesus is enough for me. And he has redeemed me. And when I get through this to the next segment of healing, I'll have more to say about that. But for right now, that's all I've got. Wow, for for promising hardcore tangents, it's all woven relatively nicely. So, thank you, Lord, for that. It's nice to see the work of the Holy Spirit in my ramblings. My name is Meg, and I love my Jesus. And I believe in living inside out. Now it's your turn. Go live it.